Good. Now that the Broncos are here, or Broncos won, now let's give a little cheer. We can do that for the Broncos, I think. The uh, What we're going to do as well is because of the Bronco game and some of the late arrivals, which I don't blame you guys for that, we're going to let the silent auction go for another 15 minutes afterwards, but I'll let you guys, I'll give you more details about that. But first of all, uh, welcome. We are so blessed to have you here tonight to take time out of your busy uh, Sundays, especially night when you're preparing for your week to come spend some time and hear an amazing woman and uh, hear her story and, and really, again, make a difference. So I'm Kirk Shrek, and uh, uh, I, I was, let me just give you a quick understanding of uh, why I'm here and why I'm doing this. I'm a member of this church. But uh, I went and heard uh, Somali speak, and I knew nothing about the story. I knew nothing about the uh, uh, what was going on in this tragedy. And uh, went with my wife to an event down at the Oxford Hotel in uh, March or April. I can't remember what day it was. And uh, left that night, and I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. When I heard about the horrors and the just the terrible tragedy that's going on, again, not just in Cambodia, Certainly, that's kind of the epicenter, but all over the world, this tragedy is just terrible. Uh, you know, statistics vary, but two to four million um, young women and children will be sold into sexual slavery in the next 12 months. Uh, when you hear some of these stories and you hear the tragedies that are going on and the amazing story of what Somali and Nick are trying to do to fight this cause, it's an amazing thing. But I just said, how can I get involved? And... Uh, uh, this is Somali is here as part of a book tour coming over from Cambodia, and she goes from here right to L.A., where they're doing kind of a star-studded event, and there's, uh, they're already selling out for uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars per table to uh, raise some money. So it's a wonderful thing that she was also able to stop in Denver. So we're very privileged to have her here. But tonight, the lineup is um, we're going to show you just a couple of video clips here and there to give you a little bit of a flavor of what this uh, this horrific tragedy is about, and the the uplifting piece of what uh, Somali is trying to do by reintegrating these, uh, these young ladies uh, and children uh, into society and giving them hope. And uh, it's an amazing uh, situation. So a little bit of house cleaning here very quickly. We are going, as I said, um, the silent auction, we're going to go ahead and let go till about 7.15. So you'll have about 15 more minutes after we're done here to go one more round, see if there's something that you want to bid on and take advantage of that. At the end, which I'll tell as well, Somalia will be available for book signings, and it's going to be in the gathering place, which is down the hallway where the food was. And she'll be down in a room, and you'll be able to see it marked very clearly, and she'll sign some books uh, for you as well. And um, we're also going to do a little raffle. So at the end of this, and I'll remind you again at the end, for those that have the tickets, if you'd like to be involved in the raffle, uh, we'll have some pins out there, and towards the front door we'll have a bag that you can actually write your name on the back of the ticket. And we're going to draw for some really neat uh, uh, some prizes, some water bottles that have actually have Somali's uh, book cover on them, some neat little uh, uh, gifts like along those lines as well. So, again, thank you so much for coming. What I'd like to start off with is to show a, a very short video clip that was on CNN that gives you a little insight into the plight of uh, human trafficking and sexual slavery. So we can go ahead and roll that. That would be great. 
to Phnom Penh because Phnom Penh is really ground zero in the illegal sex industry and the human trafficking problem also as well as the illegal trade of animal and animal parts. This is the red light district in Phnom Penh. Uh, by day it doesn't look like much. Uh, it's an active thoroughfare. There are small shops and businesses here, small factories. At night it is a completely different place. Many of these small little storefronts uh, become brothels uh, and there's really very basic uh, little women or in, in service industry, what they find here, of course, is something completely different. They find themselves literally enslaved and stuck in a life they can't get out of. Take a look. Late night on a main street in Cambodia's capital city, Phnom Penh. This is an area known as Vey Pak. These roadside stands belie a dirty secret. Vey Pak is devoted to the sex trade. When I first went to Cambodia, uh, there were virgins, uh, you know, 11-year-old virgins being openly sold in storefronts. New York Times columnist Nicholas Kristof has covered the seedy sex business in Cambodia for years. He says the tragedy is that so few of these workers have chosen their jobs. Instead, many are victims of trafficking, sex slaves bought and sold on the black market, and many of them are so young. Here in Cambodia's capital, the UN estimates there are between 10 and 20,000 people working as prostitutes. It's a remarkable figure when you consider there's only about a million people actually living in Phnom Penh. What's even more stunning, according to a UN report, at least 25% of Cambodia's prostitutes are children. In fact, the UNICEF study found 15% of Phnom Penh's prostitutes are between 9 and 15 years old. Many were taken from China or Vietnam, robbed of their childhoods, held prisoner by brothel owners out to make a buck. There was one recent girl who'd been to the brothel, and uh, the brothel owner locked up this girl, uh, sold her virginity, uh, beat her when she resisted, um, and uh, you know, and she rips off, she cheats all these girls. They're ATMs for the brothel. And their lives are miserable. A study by the group Violence Against Women and Children in Cambodia found that 54% say poverty drove them to this life. 79% can't write. 50% can't read. 95% say they work seven days a week. More than 70% say they've been gang raped and all say they have to pay protection money to police. Then there's HIV. A USAID study says Cambodia has the highest measured national prevalence of the virus in Asia. One of the traditions which it makes it hardest to stop is this notion that if somebody has AIDS and if they sleep with a virgin girl, then they are going to cure themselves of AIDS. Despite the blinding poverty and rampant corruption, there have been some steps taken to clean up the sex trade in Cambodia. And the U.S. government is trying to help, applying diplomatic pressure and placing the country at the low end of a watch list, measuring what different nations are doing to stop sex trafficking. But there is a long way to go. There have been you know, some improvements at the margins, but ultimately the story is still one of a modern form of slavery. Yes, it's that way tragically because of supply and demand. Supply from the countryside, demand literally from all over the planet. So it gives you a little bit of a, an understanding of this um, horrific tragedy that's going on uh, specifically in Cambodia. What I'd like to do right now is uh, bring up Nick Lump, who is the, one of the co-founders of the uh, Somali Mom Foundation. Amazing story. I'm going to let him share it. But uh, a young man that is 25, is that correct? 25. Um, that would be half my age, as a matter of fact. Thank you so much. I feel very old right now. Uh, Air Force Academy cadet 
graduate of the Air Force Academy, and he and another, Jordan Greenberg, um, uh, and he's going to tell you about his story, how he found out about it. But they saw this, and as young men said, uh, we're going to do something about it. We're going to make a difference in the world. So with that, Nick Lump, come on up. Let's give him a hand. First of all, uh, I'd like to thank Kirk Shrek for uh, his leadership in making all this happen tonight, as well as the Denver chapter of the Somali Mom Foundation. Let's just give them a round of applause right now. I'd also like to thank West Bowles Community Church uh, and, and the whole community here for your generosity in hosting us tonight. I'm often asked, how does a, uh, a young male get involved with a women's issue? And uh, my response is always that this isn't a women's issue. The issue here is slavery. And I think we can all agree that slavery is unacceptable anywhere, anytime, anyplace. When I first learned that slavery thrives more today than ever before in the past, I was shocked. In fact, I thought it was so unbelievable that I almost didn't even pay attention to it. And many people don't. But as I continued to educate myself, I became more and more concerned. Something needed to be done, which is when my friend Jared Greenberg and I committed to raising a million dollars in a year last fall for this cause. Subsequently, I saw that Anderson Cooper 360 clip that you just watched. We were both moved and inspired by Somali. We tracked her down on the Internet, and then uh, two weeks later, we were on a plane to Cambodia. Uh, subsequently, uh, the Somali Mom Foundation happened. Now, I met a lot of these girls in the rehabilitation centers of Cambodia, many of them very young, five or six years old. And now I have names and personalities and real people to put with these horror stories that you hear. Their stories were moving. They, they told them to me themselves. They looked me in the eye and they say, this is my story. And they were moving, but they, at the same time, it's infuriating to think about Now, I would always end each of these conversations with a simple question. What do you want to be when you grow up? And their eyes would light up and they'd say things like, I want to be a doctor or I want to uh, get a master's degree, go to college. I want to be a teacher. And my favorite one, I want to be like Somali. These are remarkable ambitions for girls who previously and very recently lived in a world where they had no hopes, they had no dreams. And that's a testament to the work that Somali has been doing. Now, this ambition to be like Somali has led us to develop a program that we call Voices for Change. And what we do is we develop these former victims into activists and abolitionists. And what we do is put them through a training program where they gain the confidence to go out and teach the law enforcement and the village chiefs and, uh, and other top leaders in Cambodia about human trafficking, about the laws, about identifying it. Now, uh, last month, a couple of, uh, of our young activists went out to an at-risk village and they spoke with the top chief of police, the top 
uh, chief of the village, which is an amazing thing for, uh, for, for anyone. But for a female in Cambodia, that's a big deal. And for a victim female in Cambodia, that's just flat out remarkable. That's the stuff that changes the world. And this is just the beginning with the Somali Mom Foundation. Now, that's one village. And the naysayers and the, the people who have given up will say, well, that's just one village. What, what impact did that make? There's so many other villages out there to, to go take care of. How are you really going to make a difference? And I say to these people, okay, well, if we can get one village and one police officer identifies one case and we rescue one child... Isn't that worth it? And now you take that and you multiply it by over 4,000, and you have what Somali has rescued and rehabilitated to date. Now imagine taking that number and doubling it next year. Imagine tens of thousands in the next five years, and imagine hundreds of thousands after that. Imagine a world where Slavery is actually decreasing instead of becoming the uh, fastest growing criminal industry in the world. And then ask yourself, what role do I play in that? Tonight you'll hear a little bit about Somali's story. This incredible woman is a window through which we can see the possibilities in the future and the roles that we play to make those possibilities a reality. And after tonight, I ask you to go out and do whatever inspires you. Take the action that most inspires you, whether that be volunteering for a local organization, whether that be getting your friends involved, traveling around the world, or just shouting from a mountaintop, whatever it is. But tonight, I ask you to make an investment in whatever amount inspires you because we need money to be able to do any of the things and continue doing the things that Somali's doing. And with that money, we can continue multiplying that impact that I was talking about. And someday, we can really talk about slavery as a thing of the past. Thank you again for uh, for being here tonight. And uh, I'll let Kirk take it from here. Does that give you faith in our youth to see young men like this and like Nick and Jordan to do these kind of things? Unbelievable. I want to know, is that your, one of your groupies that gave the hoot out here a while ago? No, I'm just kidding. He's got a fan club already, so it's unbelievable, 25 years old. It's amazing and it's wonderful to see uh, remarkable young men like this take up a cause. And it's because they were inspired by a remarkable uh, woman who we're going to hear from in just a minute. But... What I want to do is I want to give you, again, a little more taste, and a little more personal feel of a couple of the victims in their story. So we've got, again, about a four-minute video, and then we're going to show uh, about a two-minute video with a Somali that was an interview on MSNBC where it gives you the hope. It gives you the hope, like Nick talked about, of what we can do if we all do a small part and we all make a difference. And uh, we know how those kind of things can uh, multiply around the world for the force of good. So let's go ahead and play uh, the first video. 
Then I was forced to become a prostitute at age 13. My mother died when I was very young. My stepmother was mean. She would beat me and refuse to give me food. So I left my father's house to find work. When I arrived in the big city, a woman said she can give me a job at her house. I was very happy to have some work and a place to stay. But at this woman's house, men would come. If I tried to refuse, the woman would beat me or shock me with electricity. And there was always someone watching, so I could not escape. In this house, I was one of 15 girls. After two years, I convinced the woman to let me go so I can find my father and stepmother. When I found them, they despised me and told me to leave. For three days and nights, I slept in the fields along the road without any food. Hungry and alone, I sat near a garden and waited for men to come to me. After several customers, I had enough money to get some food and a bus ticket. In the city, a man found me and said he had a safe place for me to stay. Then he sold me to another brothel. When I was a prostitute, I was required to have 15 men each day. If I did not, I would be beaten and refused food. This is the story of my life. I am now 24 and I am dying from AIDS. One of my greatest fears is that when I die, no one will come to my burial. When I talk to God, I ask Him to give me peace. For every story like this, there are thousands more. And this wicked oppression exists in every part of the world, especially where women have so few options. In fact, according to the U.S. State Department, sex trafficking is becoming a bigger business worldwide than drug trafficking. It is estimated that between 2 and 4 million women and children will be trafficked into prostitution during the next 12 months. And even more tragic is the fact that two-thirds of these girls are sold, coerced, tricked, even kidnapped by someone they know, by someone they know. including family members. I married at a young age. One day when I was 17, my husband told me that he was going to the big city to seek work and that he wanted me to go with him. When we arrived at a city many miles from our village, he left me at a house where he told me to wait for him while he went to look for work. Soon I realized that I was in a brothel and was not allowed to leave. My husband has sold me for $200. He has never returned for me. And you thought that slavery was a thing of the past. Why does this evil continue to exist today? In Cambodia, there are at least two reasons. Illiteracy. Most of the women involved in prostitution come from homes where the family members are illiterate. In fact, 80% of the women in Cambodia cannot read or write. Most girls, if they attend school at all, never make it past grade 3, or at most, grade 5. Only 5% 
ever finish school. There are so few schools in the rural areas, therefore it's a bit of triage in the family. Who will be picked to go? And it's always the boy child. As a result, girls grow up with very few options. And with such limited education and knowledge, they can be easily deceived, falling prey to those who abuse and exploit them. Poverty, along with illiteracy, comes poverty, hopelessness, and desperation. Most live a day-to-day -day existence, from hand to mouth. Parents in a country village are having difficulties providing for their family. A stranger, or maybe a neighbor in the village, says that they know where they can get their girl a job. They promise that she will work for a foreigner in the city and have an opportunity to earn good money. Desperate and unwittingly, the parents agree. Little do they know that their young daughter will be working in the brothel district, forced to meet with as many as 10 or 20 men each night. Every month in Cambodia, more than a thousand girls and women are trafficked from the small rural villages to the larger cities where they are forced to work in brothel districts. More than a thousand girls every month forced into a life of selling their bodies for mere pocket change. And some are children as young as six or seven years old. Six or seven years old. So after you watch um, something like that, it's just very, very easy to be discouraged and uh, sad and uh, depressed, and, and certainly that's how I was. And I uh, have two beautiful daughters, and uh, after the night that I heard Somali speak, I went home, and I didn't feel like I'd look them in the eye uh, it, knowing about that these are someone's daughters as well. But as sad and discouraged as we may get, and I know from reading Somali's book, which uh, there were times that she gets discouraged as well. And, but you know what? She's decided it's, it's because of people, it's because of amazing women like Somali that are making a difference and giving hope and giving hope to these young women. And uh, it's something that we can all take uh, hope in. And what we're going to do is show the last little clip. It's less than two minutes, but it's uplifting because it shows you about the kind of things that uh, Somali's doing. And then we'll get to uh, hear her story firsthand. We can run that clip. Somali mom really tells an incredible story. I mean, here is a woman who was a sex slave, a child prostitute, forced into, who ultimately is able to escape that world. When I talk to you ladies and then I go by and close my eye, I, I saw the clan in my head, in my body, receive 20, 30 clan a day. One day, had been arrived one girl. I look at her, and it's my first time that I pay attention on the girl. And she arrived and look at her, she's first 12, 10 years old. She's dark like me, she looked like me, exactly. She looked like me when she arrived, she know nothing. And then, I have, at the same time, I had a confidence by the pain. She, she gave me everything, you know, I can get out, I can stay, I take tea. So I let her go. What does your organization do for girls in Cambodia now? We are fighting against women and children's exploitation. For sure, I focus a lot on the children because I have children 
We have legal assistance, psychology. So you can offer these girls shelter, you can offer them counseling, training Focus to get a job. Focus on training and then after reintegrate them in the society with the business. And how many girls have you had come through the program? Right now we, I have uh, more than 4,000 girls. More have than 4,000 girls yes. have come through the program? Yes, have been uh, saved from a brothel. Why are you here in the United States? What's the purpose of your trip? Why I'm here? Um, I'm here, first of all, like, related fundraising. Fundraising for your organization? Yes, for my organization. For the work you do in Cambodia? Yes. Let the people know what's going on. We need all of you. We need your commitment to help us. When the team, they pay, and they get out, they open another brochure, and they buy another girl. So my objective is to stop trafficking. It's my privilege to uh, introduce a true hero that we have in our world today, Somali Mom. Thank you. I don't know how to work. <laughs> Thank you. You know, if I'm here, I'm not heroes. If I'm here today, I want to say thank you to all the victims. They give me, they teach me every day, and I learn with them every day. You know, how to love. They teach me love. They teach me confidence. They give me everything. And I think I'm the woman who are really lucky to meet all of them. And also because of your support, I cannot be here without your support. You cannot imagine your support can help the victim, can help the victim life. You can give love to them. It is my dream to see, you know, when I saw the children to become children again, it is my hope and my heart. So I'm, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. You know, my story is like all the girls, all the women and girls in Cambodia. But they don't, they don't have opportunity to come here and then tell you. But I have my opportunity to meet Nick, Jared, and I want to say thank you for all of them because he proved me that we have good men around the world. And, you know, it's amazing to meet him. It's amazing because I cannot believe that they just write me the email. They say to me, I arrived night night in Phnom And I think maybe he's, 69 or 70, you know, I'm, I don't see that he's young. And then after I, I feel like, okay, I ask my team, I go to pick up them because it's men and I should be careful because sometimes it's a right pedophile. So I just go to see them. When they arrive, so them young, I say, oh my God, they are so young. So, yeah, but you know, they every day, they prove me. They stay in Cambodia, we visit all the field work and I saw them crying. It make me emotion and I am not alone now. I have them. I have also my adoptive family right now. They teach me how to love. They love me. So it's really great to have the family here. I come here. You know, I'm just sleeping. They give me food. They give me keys. That, and I want to share with, the, with, with all of our team. Because before when I was young, I don't know my parents. I don't know. I don't know what is love mean. And then when this cold time arrived in my heart, 
I just want to, I want to hold my mom. I want her to kiss me, but I have no one. And then after that, I have been sold in the brothel. It's like all the girls, we young, we are young. I don't know, I don't know my age, but I was so young, skinny, dark skin. When I was maybe 12 or 11 or 13, I had been raped by a man. That my grandfather, not my grandfather, that my adoptive father, grandfather tell me. And what is killed me, you know, like, I don't know, I was young, I don't know exactly, but I had pain because he hit me. And I go back home to see my adoptive grandfather. I want to tell him, but he just hit me. So I ran away to suicide. But I cannot, I jump. The Mekong, but I know how to swim. So my body has been dead since this day. And it's like a lot of the victims too. We are, you know, when we are dead inside and in survive, it's not easy sometimes. So why sometimes I'm, I understand the victim, why they suicide. And then I think everything dark, I try to suicide, but I cannot. One day when I saw my friend, my best friend, she's younger than me. She had been killed in front of me. You know, where is justice for for us, for a girl? And where is justice? And dark skin, I'm also human. I don't have parents. The people give, say to me that I am bad luck. I'm born with a bad luck, but we have a lot of children who are born like me. And today I just want, you know, when I come here, I just pray for them. I want them to be better life in the future. And if you see them, you know, one of the girls who don't have hair, she had been sold when she was five years old. Today she's sick and half. She had she have HIV AIDS. She's going to die. But today she has hair. She got it from love from the people sent her presents. You know, she's eating, she takes medicine, she's very strong. So when I saw my friend, she had been killed in front of mine, I just, I knew that I have to run away. And then maybe married with a rich man or the men who have gone and I can come back and kill them. But I think it's like, who married with me? Who? No one. So she ran away. And then after I sacrificed my life for my adoptive, I have another adoptive family that they just asked me why I'm here, you know, and after that, right now, I have my missions. Right now, I have all of them. They have been sold. They're young. They, they don't have family. And they are not born with the bad luck, but we don't have chance. So they call me mother. They call me grandmother, and I have to, I have to, I have to give them. And my mission right now is to fight again, child exploitation. They are young. They have to go to school. They have to play. They don't have to stand up in the brothel and then make them make up and to receive a lot of clients. And the one girl who you're watching, the first one, she's right now dying. She has HIV, she has been sold when she was so young. So I'm not alone. I'm not heroes. I'm not because of my life. What what I miss when I was young, I just want to complain. I just want, I just want to give love, you know, the true love. Hold them in my hand. That's all. And the victim, they need nothing from us. 
They just need love and trust. Listen to them. Pay more attention to them. So I am here today, and I do it because of my life. But you are inspired by me because it's not your story. But you help me. You listen to me. You pay attention to me. So you help me too. So I want to say all of you, thank you. And work in Cambodia is not easy. Last year I had my children. She's 14 years old. She had been kidnapping, selling a brothel. She had been raped four days, but you know, four days can kill the people. And today, nine weeks ago, my sister, we adopted each other. We love each other. Maybe it's my fault because she's my friend, because she's my sister. Her children disappear now, nine weeks. We don't know where she now. So our work on the field is so dangerous. We deal with the pain. We face with everything. We are here. We are happy to see all of you. But when we go back, I don't know if I have been killed or not. So I need all of you. We need all of you here to help us and support us to be member of the foundation because we want to change the law. We should have law. You know, we, I am alone. I cannot fight. I can help thousands of the victims. Right now, we are more than 4,000 girls that we help, and they, are, they have, some of them, they got married, they have the children, some of them die, some of them stay. Right now, we have more than 200 girls in the shelter, and they need eating, is why Nick say. But we need also stronger, we need also more support from all of you, because we have to show our government is that it's not fair that the children have been sold. Because if now our mentality, men mentality in Cambodia, like if they have sex with a virgin girl, that is make them good luck, long life is a kind of the medicine for the protection of HIV AIDS. So more and more, more and more we get younger and younger. So please help them. You know, we have the foundation here in Denver. I'm so happy to be here in, in Denver. And I don't know how to say more. I'm so sorry. I just want to say thank you for all of you. Thank you. So uh, here's what we're going to do, and they're going to be passing out some uh, uh, some envelopes here. As Somali has said, and as Nick has said, it's the power of what one and two and, and uh, Jared as well, three people can do. And then with all of you, it, it continues to, uh, to go. You can just come on down, guys, and, and hand those out. Just go down the rows. But one of the most wonderful things about an evening like this is just raising the awareness about more people to know about this because I think if you find most people on the street, they don't know this is going on. They don't know that it's passing drug trafficking in terms of uh, um, the next uh, or in terms of uh, criminal revenue. So we can make a difference. 
So what we're going to do is we're going to hand out these envelopes. And what I'd really like you to do, they're going to head down. Somali's going to head down now for the book signing and get ready to go down there. You guys can go ahead and go. And then we're going to take about five minutes here after we get the envelopes. We've got a little uh, video that we're going to show or kind of a tribute to a song. And we'd like you guys to really prayerfully in your hearts think about what can I do to make a difference. And obviously, we, we'd love prayers and support and joining the foundation, those type of things. But really what it comes down to to continue to run these kind of organizations and these foundations to make a difference is it takes money. It takes money. And there's no gift too small. And there's certainly no gift too big. Um, but we would definitely love to, uh, to have you participate. What we're going to do is, while you're thinking about it, uh, there's a place for your credit card. You guys can go ahead and I'm back so you can get ready for the book signing. She's going to be back in the, in the book signing to have a chance to meet and talk to Nick as well. But we're going to take about five minutes, um, again, just to take some time, put what's on your heart, and put something in the envelope, and then we'll... Uh, We'll gather the envelopes at the end of the video here. And then again, what we're going to do is we're going to have the silent auction. We'll go for another 15 minutes. And then again, don't forget your raffle uh, ticket to put it in towards the back. I believe it's Rachel. will have a bag and you can put your name on it. And we're going to draw some uh, drawings for a water bottle. But I can't say enough. And I know Somali and Nick and everybody else would say the same thing. From the bottom of our hearts, we appreciate you being here. We appreciate your help. And uh, we appreciate your hope and your prayers. So we're going to go ahead and play that uh, uh, song, and then we'll uh, collect the envelopes, and then we'll dismiss to go out and finish the silent auction. Go ahead and just put something in there if you're using a credit card and write the amount in there. We'll make sure and take care of it from there. So we go ahead. I think you guys can go ahead and come on down and start passing the plates. And again, 
We sincerely appreciate uh, anything anybody can do. If this is a time that it's not uh, possible, you're not able to, the uh, website is on there, Somali.org, and you can go there as well. They have a, a really neat campaign, especially for young kids, $2 campaign, where it's $2 a month. And right now I think they have over 3,000 people that are giving $2 a month, and that adds up pretty quick. So, again, if it's not, uh, you're not able to do it tonight, please go to the uh, that and go from there. So we'll pass the plates. And uh, and then we'll have you guys can go on out, back out to the, uh, the silent auction. We'll go ahead and finish out the video, and then I'll uh, I'll close. So again, what we're going to do is, Somali, if you go out and you turn to the left, go down the hallway by the food, she's going to be in the room called the gathering place, and you'll see just a way to get a line there, and you can go and get a personal signature on one of her books. They're amazing books. I read it in one setting in about an hour uh, last week, and uh, boy, it's she may say she's not a hero, but when you read the book, the fact that she's here today and she's trying to make a difference, she's a, she's a hero. So. That's there. Take one more round around the silent auction. I'll go out there and I'll give kind of the five-minute warning so everybody can kind of the last minute do that. Then we'll collect all the slips from there. We'll also have uh, out there where you can actually pick up your silent auction items and uh, pay your money from there. And uh, hopefully there's some cookies or some uh, coffee and smoothies left as well. So thank you again uh, for all of us on behalf of all of us for coming tonight. Thank you very much.